0: Hi, it's Rabbi Jim Eagolf. Thank you so much for joining me this week. This week we're going to talk about Parshat Truma, which begins at Exodus chapter 25, and talk about what it means to have gifts that are uh, meant to go before us as opposed to trying to build real relationships with God and, of course, with each other. You can always email me and connect with me at rav as in Victor, jim, at aol.com, or you can always call me at 610 610- 6243441 Thank you so much for- Our tour portion this week begins the attempt by the Israelites to create sacred space for the first time. God gives instruction to Moses that the Israelites should assemble various materials that would be used in creating the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the sacred home and the central focus of the Israelite community. As the materials come to Moses, we're given an interesting... Seemingly bizarre line within the opening lines, uh, opening verses. Moses, um, God says, "Make me a sanctuary that I may dwell within you." And the "within you" is in the plural, the shachanti This was and is one of my favorite lines within the Torah. The idea that the offering we make to our religious institutions tells us of who we are in our relationship with God, or with our religious preferences, is uh, prophetic. It, uh, it's prophetic in the days of the tabernacle. It's also prophetic for those today who lay claim to the tradition claimed within the sacred scrolls in the ark. The message is that just as the Israelites sought to build a connection to God, so too do our willing actions or the lack thereof, reveal our desires to create sacred connections. Now, I, I want to digress for a second, but I bring it back. But Nahama Leibovitz, uh, who is a wonderful teacher of Torah, suggests that the story of the golden calf should have taken place prior to the details in this week's Parsha, Truma. According to her, Truma should come after T'Ki Sa, the golden calf incident, not before The Midrash says that the commandment to build the tabernacle marked the Israelites' reconciliation with God after their estrangement, that would be the golden calf story. So the idea of the tabernacle came about because of the golden calf. But why was this moment the one that called for the tabernacle? Why was it that at this moment God would say, make me a mishkan that I might dwell within you? If you think about the tabernacle and compare this to the golden calf, you begin to see some clear distinctions. The tabernacle is constructed from the hearts of the people or the offerings that their hearts move them to make. And that moving of their hearts is based on a relationship with God. The calf is constructed in order that the people may have a God to go before them. The difference is that the tabernacle comes from people who openly and willingly give to build the bridge to the eternal. The calf, on the other hand, was made so that people could continue to maintain their distance from their God, from having to be part of the sacred, perhaps like the relationships they had observed in Egypt. When it came to the golden calf, the community gathers for a party, yet they did not engage God the sacred or their spirits. The calf was about making sure that the sacred was irrelevant or at least distant. The tabernacle's construction called upon the people to individually make a difference by being part of the effort of the community. At this point, we have to think about this attempt to connect or attempt to distance in our lives. And uh, we also have to think about it in the broader sense of what we see in our world. As many of you may have recently seen, it was reported this week that the IAEA had arrived at the conclusion that Iran may be working on a nuclear warhead. When I began to read this report, the story of this week's Torah portion came to mind. The nuclear issue within Iran has become much like a golden calf. It is an extension, an idol, if you will, that is to go forth in front of the people to be part of their representation to the rest of the world. They want to say, we are a nuclear power, like others. Yet there are some in Iran among the masses who are opposed to the current regime's pursuit of these weapons. The difficulty we face is that to attack Iran, unfortunately an option that seems to be at the top of our to-do list too often, would rally the people of Iran together around the power structure and the cause of those political figures we like least. In other words, while some know that they are pursuing an idol, the Iranian people would feel in their guts, in the part of their identity that dwells within them most, they would feel an attack from an outside force as one that could only be met by similar violence. Pause for a moment. Think of how we felt after 9-11. Regardless of the accusations made against our country, we were angry. We were ready for war. We had part of our worldview shattered. The Iranians would probably respond no differently. If this is the case, then how might we respond differently? One of the observations made about idols by the Markov rabbi refers to Psalm 115, 4 through 5. Their idols are silver and gold. They are the work of men's hands. They have mouths but do not speak, ears but do not hear. If we are to respond differently, we must do so through the actions of those who would choose to speak, even though they are punished, if not killed, for their descent. There are those who are not made of silver and gold, who remain silent because they believe that they are best protected by their silence. How inspiring it is when a prestigious media award is given, not to the professionals, but to the man or woman in the streets in the middle of the chaos. This is from the, a news report just this past week. Yesterday, Long Island University announced the winners of the 2009 George Polk Award, an annual honor for excellence in journalism. And in addition to the regular heavy hitters, they also recognized the, the anonymous excuse me, men and women that filmed the death of Iranian protester Neda Agha Sultan. This marks the first time that citizen journalists have received such a traditional industry-recognized honor. The curious thing about idols and idolatry is that they foster the mouths that do not speak and the hearts and the ears that do not hear. It took the willing hearts, the courage of people who either felt powerless to help this woman or, knowing that they were unable to save her, knew that her story needed to be recorded. There was a strength in giving a voice to this story, perhaps because the observer could not prevent the murder But the telling of the story had to happen. For those who held the cameras, it was their only option. For those who witnessed that a tragedy yet did not detach, we need to thank them that they decided to remain there and continue to record the difficult history of their country. One of the moments that I experience as a rabbi also reminds me of this issue of choosing when to speak and when not to speak. In 2002, I was the rabbi in Jackson, Mississippi. Now, regardless of what you've heard about Mississippi, like all places, some of it's true, and some of it was made to appear to be true through the lens of a movie camera. We had a vote in Mississippi on the flag of the state. The then unofficial and now official flag, sporting Confederate stars and bars, was to be replaced with a flag that would reflect a new direction for The state. As the chair of the Mississippi Religious Leadership Council, that is the 30 to 50 left-leaning civil rights congregations in Mississippi, I came out and spoke against the current flag publicly. It was at this point where, like in the psalm, people came forth to ask me to be more like the one with a mouth that does not speak. Comments were made, you know, they bombed the rabbi's house before. Rabbi, somebody might attack the synagogue. Well, please know that both these things had occurred in 1967, yet the question was to be silent or to go forward. In the end, the new flag was defeated, but more importantly, nothing happened towards me or the Jewish community. We discovered that the ghost of the anti-Semitism of the past seemed to be gone, and still, though, it took resisting being like an idol to prove the point. Our greatest moments are when we use our voices and our abilities to reach out and extend to each other. It is when people choose not to talk, not to hear, that the distance begins. Our challenge is finding the righteous conversations to have a way that allows us to understand that everyone can contribute to the tabernacle of our community, even when each will not bring the same gifts. The calf stands as the warning of what happens as we detach and move away from the relationships and the connections. The golden calf existed as a community demand upon Aaron, but not as a community effort. In fact, the first effort to stop the construction of the calf resulted in the lynching of a man by the name of Hur. Only by having the community relate to the sacred task of the tabernacle could the effort to construct this portable tent be said to be holy. Only when people acted for God's purpose and not their own anxiety could God be said to dwell within them. May we learn to move from anxiety to the sacred and give of ourselves so that of us it too can be said God dwells within us because we give part of ourselves to God's purpose and we share that sacred purpose with those within our community.